This is the Evergreen Empire. Green grow the forests and fair flow the streams. The gentle deer grazes, the wild blossom gleams. From ocean wave raging to mountain serene. All nature's proclaiming our land's evergreen. Welcome to Columbia Conversations. I'm Felix Bunnell, editor of Columbia Magazine for the Washington State Historical Society. On this episode, we speak with mountaineer Bob Mead about an artifact he found at Mount Rainier National Park 40 years ago. We'll learn what Mr. Mead should have done when he first found it and what you should do if you find yourself in a similar situation. We'll also talk to Pacific Lutheran University Professor Bradford Andrews about what this and other artifacts can tell us about the prehistory of the place now known as Washington. Oh, gosh, that's an impossible question to answer. I mean, <laughs> yeah, there's, I mean, I always tell my students, wherever there's people today, there were people yesterday. Bob Mead is in his 80s, and he lives in Tacoma. Nearly 40 years ago, while on a climb of Lane Peak at Mount Rainier National Park, he found a projectile point from a prehistoric weapon called an Addle Addle. I met Mr. Mead when he reached out to me to correct the caption for the cover photo of the summer 2018 edition of Columbia Magazine. In our conversation, he mentioned his long-ago discovery. I spoke with Bob Mead by phone from his home in Tacoma. Bob, how are you today? I'm very good. One of the things that really piqued my interest when we were uh, emailing back and forth about my misidentification of that peak was you talked about finding some kind of a, an, a Native American artifact. And I wonder if you might share that story with me. Uh, yes, that was, uh, I don't know, remember the year now. It was probably around 78. Uh, I found it, um, uh, well, it was an arrowhead. I thought it was an arrowhead. Didn't know what it was. I just picked it uh, off of the ground, the surface of the ground, at the bottom of the Lane Peak in the Tatoosh Range of Mount Rainier National Park. And then later on, um, I finally submitted it to the park for identification, and it turned out to be an Adel Adel Peak a point. And I don't know if you're familiar with Adel Adel points or not, but uh, they're... Um, uh, well, like a forerunner of bow and arrow. They're, they're really quite quite prehistoric uh, weapon system. Anyway, it turned out to be, I, I sent it to the archaeologist at Mount Rainier National Park, and his name is Greg Bouchard. And uh, he got back to me telling me that it was an Adelaide point, and it was only the second one ever found in Rainier Park, the first one being found in the 1920s. And so and he was going to include it in an exhibit at some point, but I, I don't know if he has or not. What's it feel like to find something that is that uh, distinctive? What did it feel like? Yeah. Well, I, I wasn't too sure what I had. It was a kind of a questionable. That's why I kept it because, well, I don't know what this is. I mean, it didn't really look like an arrowhead, but it looked like something. And so... Um, and I, you know, we were just sitting around in a group after we climbed Lane Peak, and I'm running, running sitting on the right on the ground, and I'm running, running my hands to the pebbles and whatnot that's on the surface, and I came up with one that was a little bit sharper than the others, and I thought, hmm, what's this? <laughs> and so, didn't know what it was. So I, it was a third small piece, but it was triangular, not like an arrowhead, you know, with a real long pointy point to it. This was more like just a simple triangle, but it was rather sharp, so I didn't exactly know what I had. And then I, I, I shouldn't have 
taking it, I should have left it right there. I did not know that, but of course I didn't know what it was. Anyway, I took it home, and uh, a few years later, I, I uh, submitted it to the park for identification, and it turned out to be something. And describe for me, if you can, what, how an addle addle worked, or what 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 would what the whole weapon would have looked like. Well, it's a uh, like a uh, hmm, what a hard to describe. <laughs> it's like a stick with a hinge on it, and you. Oh boy! You 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 insert the arrowhead at the tip of the the smaller part of the of the stick, and then you you raise your arm backwards and you fling it forward, not like a bow and arrow where you have a string and a bow. This is a, a stick with a hinge on it, and uh, this uh, a projectile point is on the end of the uh, smaller piece of the stick, and it's hinged. and And when it comes forward, it the part that has the um, arrow on it, or the, the point on it, releases, and it goes flying forward. And it supposedly, in the hands of those who knew how, knew how to use it, it was very accurate and very deadly. It was really used primarily for hunting. Yeah, what, it wasn't like a, a warfare, like human against human. It was more for hunting. No, no, uh, primarily for hunting. And they, uh, they hunted big game with it, too. And so the archaeologist there at Mount Rainier, what what was his guess, or what was his? What did he tell you about how old it was, or how it got there? He didn't tell me how old it was, um, as far as how it got there. Uh, the indigenous people were utilizing Rainier for thousands of years. In fact, there were a couple of other digs going on in the park at the time I talked to him, and um, so, but they were a little surprised. Oh, I don't know when to find out the indigenous people were that high up in the mountains. They always assume they were lower down, but they uh, they now have records of them being up at higher elevations over seven thousand years ago. And so, the altitude where you found this at the you said it was at the base of Lane, base of Lane Peak, L A N E Lane Peak, which is in the Tatoosh Range. What altitude is that roughly where you found that projectile? Oh gosh, probably. 6,000, I'm going to guess. No more, I don't think. And so how long have you lived in, in that part of Washington State? I've been down here in the Tacoma area since 76. And I've been hiking in Rainier since 76. Okay. So you see, it sounds to me like you know, your, you know your Washington peaks, especially in that area. You know their names, you know their, you know their heights, you know what it's like. Do you, um, do you have a favorite one down there or a favorite hike that you recommend to people who maybe haven't been there and want to try something out in that part of the state? Uh, well, I like Mount Rainier because it's very close to where we live, and I've hiked a lot extensively in Rainier, and there are some very nice hikes in the, in that area. Uh, there are some hikes out of Paradise, which are for you know first-time people, very nice uh, hikes out of Paradise, and some of those are on paved trails, some of those are on very nice graded gravel trails, and some are with the rougher trails. Uh, also, up, up above Reflection Lakes is a nice area. And um, Sunrise is another very popular area and it's easy to get to, and it's uh, wonderful trails out of that area. That's part of my favorite area is the Sunrise area. Chinook Pass is another area that uh, has some very nice hikes up in there, especially one that goes around uh, Natchez Peak. It's, it's a loop hike that goes around Natchez Peak, and that's also very popular, and it's, a very, it's very quite easy to do that one. And... I haven't hiked that much in the um, 
Cascades. Some, I climbed some in there too, but um, with Rainier being so close, I just love it. I'm a photographer too, so I just take my camera up there and bum, bum around. That sounds great. And so um, when you found that projectile, you said you waited a number of years until you turned it in. How many years went between finding it and turning it in? <laughs> too many. I think you're forgiven now. I'm just curious. I, I put it in a film can. And what, what I did do correctly was I identified where I got it, what it you know, where I got it and the date that I, did, that I did. But then it was many years later that I, I read an article in a paper uh, about uh, the archaeological work that was being done in the North Cascades and also in Rainier. And that got me to thinking about that thing. So I went hunting for it at home here, and I found it. So then I turned it in. Which was the more unlikely find, finding it in the wilderness in the first place or finding it in your house the second time? Well, I think finding it in the wilderness was probably the more unlikely. But <laughs> finding it in my home can be pretty, pretty daunting as well. <laughs> I'm glad you found it. I'm glad you found it the second time. All right. Thank you. Bye-bye. If you find an artifact in Washington, it's best to leave it in place and leave it undisturbed. If possible, take a photograph and note the location and then reach out to the Washington State Department of Archaeology and Historic Preservation. You can find their website at dahp.wa.gov. That's dahp.wa.gov. If, like Bob Mead, you've picked up an artifact that should be protected and studied as part of a formal collection, a good place to start is the artifact identification page of the Burke Museum at burkemuseum.org for all kinds of useful information to help get that artifact to the right place. After speaking with Bob Mead, I reached out to Professor Bradford Andrews at Pacific Lutheran University in Tacoma. I asked him what archaeologists and other scientists can learn from artifacts found in and around the mountains of Washington. Um, one of the things that at least, um, and this is research that's largely been um, carried on, uh, at least most recently by Greg Burchard, who was a um, former National Park archaeology, uh, archaeologist in Mount Rainier, but I'm kind of looking at this issue of, uh, for for many, many years, have regarded upland settings as being kind of uninhabitable areas for um, people during prehistory, which um, is is simply a fallacy. Um, we know that they were up there. We know that they were up there rather early. Um, and then I would also argue that probably research um, by Greg and others um, over the last 20 years has pushed that date from probably... 3,000 years ago, all the way back to shortly after the glaciers receded. So, I mean, there's been people here for a long time, and obviously um, they didn't go up those to those places in the winter because, um, well, we don't we don't either. <laughs> so, you can't get in there. Um, but yeah, they they went up there and um, enjoyed the uplands for for reasons similar to um, the way that we do today. Um, I would argue. And you said Greg Burchard's been doing this work. I mean, how long has this kind of the scientific approach to this era of our region's history, how long has that been going on, that kind of kind of either the, the digs that are going on or the research that's been happening at, at PLU and other places? Well, um, I mean, PLU, I had my, my colleague who um, is in the process of retiring, Dr. Dave Hulsbeck. Um, he's been working here and working with the Ozette stuff, but, I mean, that's kind of coastal-oriented. Um, but in terms of upland archaeology, if that's what you're talking about, um, I know that there were at least a couple of the collections that I've worked with um, came out of excavations in the 1960s and 70s. And then some of those 
um, also have been revisited um, and um, more data collected from them. Um, so yeah, I, I think it's it's probably a good 50 to 60 years at least. Um, people have been starting to look at uh, at the park a little bit more closely, but I still would argue that it wasn't until relatively recently. Um, with um, kind of when Greg arrived, um, you know, he went ahead and put together um, a database on all the sites that had been found and, and um, also instigated um, a few um, important surveys. And suddenly we started to get um, a list of a lot more activity prehistorically up there sites-wise than, um, than people had known before. So, um, And so, yeah, um, it's the job of us as archaeologists to, to get this information out there to the public. Um, and sometimes we're not very good at that. So, um, yeah, nice to have stories like this to share. Now, this is kind of a dumb question, dumb related question. How, I mean, how much of how much is still left to discover in terms of either I don't know artifacts or stories or how it all fits together? I mean, what percentage has been discovered and understood versus what percentage is still out there to be discovered by scientists like you and, and people in the future? Oh gosh, that's an impossible question to answer. I mean, <laughs> yeah, there's. I mean, I always tell my students wherever there's people today, there were people yesterday. So um, you're going to find stuff all the time, and and more stuff is always going to be found the more people fiddle around in the dirt. So um, in terms of how much out there, I I wouldn't I wouldn't know. Um, but in terms of questions to be answered. Um, yeah, I mean, the, the whole, the cliche, it seems to hold true, at least doing science. It's like the more, you know, the more you realize you don't know what you don't know. And so, um, I think a lot of our questions, at least, you know, for example, now we know that they were on the mountain probably shortly after 10,000 years ago, we've got, um, a site that's, um, arguably dated to about 9,700 BP, um, um, BP before present so that's um that's kind of a a new detail and really what it did was refine um the story that went back to about seven or six or seven thousand years ago which um was what what we were thinking a number of years you know 10 15 years ago but um, so i think a lot of the questions that that we're answering and or have been trying to answer over the last 60 years were basically refining our answers to them and trying to, um, you know, get a clearer picture on on how things changed over time. Because that's, after all, what archaeologists are interested in. They're not interested in how things were at one point in time. We want to know, um, you know, its development over time. Excellent. Well, thanks, thanks for talking with us today. I really appreciate it. And um, good luck in the answering the questions that are still left to be answered and finding the things that are still left to be found. All right. Thank you so much. I appreciate the opportunity to chat with you. Thank you to Professor Bradford Andrews and to Bob Mead for speaking with me for this episode of Columbia Conversations from the Washington State Historical Society. For more information or to subscribe to Columbia Magazine, please visit WashingtonHistory.org. I'm Felix Bunnell.